I'm what everyone is watching tonight. I feel like I was the main event. What if three friends pretended they were professional podcasters talking about the greatest sport none of them have ever competed in? It's like the great Ecuadorian philosopher Cheeto Vera once said. If you want to kick with a kicker, make sure you're ready for kick. This is my MMA podcast. Hey, all you couch warriors out there. Welcome back to the fantastical and whimsical land of joy and fancy known as the internet. You've been on pins and needles all week trying to justify the $120 you lost at poker night on Monday while simultaneously feeling no shame for the $80 you've decided to drop on your credit card for UFC 255. Now, despite your penchant for fiscal irresponsibility and the cognitive dissonance you have developed in regard to Uncle Dana's pay-per-view prices, we would like to welcome you to the place where judgment is lost and friendship is always first. That's right. Where is that place, you ask? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you. It's the Armchair Pundit Zone. The place where me and the boys wax eloquent about the drama and love that is the greatest sport known to man, mixed martial arts. So hold on to your 10-gallon hats, pack your latigo, and saddle up those horses, Stephen Curtis Chapman style, because it's time to pull the gate (laughs) and show the world you made it to the great adventure, a.k.a. The Big Show. The Big Show! This is episode 44 of the My MMA podcast known round town and around the world as the most violent family-friendly podcast on the internet. A big shout out first to the friends and fans who support the show. We can't in good conscience move forward without giving salutations to you, all of you. The reason we show up every week, let's put our hands together for the My MMA podcast nation. Saddle up your horses. We We got got a trail to blaze. Wow! The wild adventure of God's amazing grace. You thought I didn't know. Let's follow our leader into the the glorious unknown. There's a life like no other. Oh, this is. The great adventure. He's taking it. He's taking it. I love how we all hung on to that. That's that's beautiful right there. Let's see how Wes can edit that so it doesn't sound like chaos. Stephen Double C is my man. He is is, Stephen Double C. He is the dopest. He's our Justin Bieber. He is our Justin Bieber. You know what I mean? Well, well, okay. That was a little aggressive. But. Whoa, took a, took a jump there. <laughs> took a big jump there. All right. Now, what does this night have to offer besides the glorious banter you've come to know and love? We have Glover Teixeira. Paul Felder stepping in for last-minute fight. Conor McGregor playing games with the fans once again. And very possibly some fun and games from me and the boys. Now, if you will indulge me, I would like to introduce myself. I am Mr. Mark Allen David, your introductor extraordinaire. And with me, as always, are the finest co-hosts in the history of podcast podcastedness. The flavor packet in my bag of ramen. The sausage in my <laughs> sawmill gravy. The baseline in the parliament song that is my life. That was that that was for me right there. Like that was like that was a Bootsy Collins reference. Please give it up for Mr. Wesley Edwards and DJ yeah. Trevor Owens. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we clap, we clap. We're not going to be. Oh. I, so I, 
I got a question. If if we were like the greatest tag team ever, which is obviously Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, <laughs> who would be Tully and who would be Arn Anderson, Wes? Would you be Tully Blanchard or would you be Arn Anderson? You know, I told you that the Bobby the Brain Heenan family was going to grow. Two of the newest members of the Bobby the Brain Heenan family, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, collectively known now as... I'm Jimmy Cornette. Somehow or no, I forgot to become your manager. <laughs> okay, you never managed them. And I would have a. But, okay. I know, I know, but I'm saying I would figure it out and I would still have a tennis racket that was deadly with concrete in it or something. All I right. think I should be the one throwing the tennis racket, but anyway, that'll, that'll be you know what? Safe for a later show. I digress. <laughs> I digress. Wait, did you, wait, Trevor, did you throw tennis rackets when you played tennis? I've, uh, I have broken a record 13. Tennis rackets out of pure <laughs> anger and uh, acting like a complete child. Yes. Nah, anger or or is it will to win? Uh, I'm going to go with will to win. I'm going to say pure immaturity, just absolute outright immaturity and overreaction and and a bit of a drama king. No, that was very uh, self reflective, and I appreciate you being very honest with us right now on the show. <laughs> that means a lot to me. I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to do better so, in my later years. I just I just thought, you know, in reference to what we were talking about, this conversation seemed really weird, but I also thought that it was really important that we recognize that you were being emotionally vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> 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 This week on the show, I want to introduce a new segment called Legends of the Sport. We call this segment Legends because it is meant to highlight those individuals who transcend the constructs that have been created by the management, the PR machines that have caused so many to forget the roots that have made us as fans love this sport. A legend isn't necessarily the greatest in their weight class or the best that has ever been, but they are those that beat down the path and became the shoulders that the heroes of today stand on. They fought the battles that kept us on the edge of our seat and gave us the memories that bring us together every week, teaching us that the stories that we saw in our favorite childhood movies could actually be lived on our television screens. So without further fanfare, we will celebrate a true legend of the sport tonight, Andre Arlovsky. He started his professional career in 1999 and made his UFC debut at UFC 28 just over a year later. While his career on paper doesn't break the record books, he has wins spanning the 2000s against Roy Nelson, Fabricio Verdum, uh, Tim Sylvia, and Mauricio Cruz. He defended his UFC heavyweight championship twice and captured the hearts of fans worldwide with his aggressive athletic style and his flair for theatrics, sporting a mouthpiece adorned with fangs and a nickname indicative of his style, yes. the Pitbull. Now, here's where I, I want to get into it with you guys. Now, you both grew up in the era that was Chuck versus Tito, BJ versus Matt Hughes, and the domination that was George St. Pierre, which is the same era. My question for you is what sticks out about Andre Orlovsky that to you puts him in the conversation for 
quote-unquote legend of the sport. Wes, what do you got? Well, first of all, in 2003, when we went to UFC 44 Live, right? It was a 44, Tito versus Couture, or whatever that was. Yeah. And I remember us walking through the Mandalay Bay uh, one morning, and there was, uh, there he was, Andre Orlovsky. And I just remember him being like way taller than I expected, and that's partly because I am short. <laughs> but, uh, but, but when he walked past us, he had already been in the UFC fighting for three years, and I didn't even know. But it's like, but you knew like that was Andre freaking Arlovsky right there. And it was like, you know, these are our celebrities, right? Right. Like I don't, like all the other people that are famous, that's cool. But when like a UFC fighter, uh, an MMA fighter that's well known or a professional wrestler from the 80s, like that's that's my celebrities. And so it was, you get all like weird when when they're around. Probably the thing that sticks out to me most is when he um, when he knocked out Paul Buenatello in 15 seconds. I remember that being such a crazy because it didn't look like Paul was knocked out. He literally just fell over, and you're like, "What did what did Andre do?" And of course, upon the slow motion, you know, you can see where. So I just remember that sticking out to me and being not only a big win, but it was probably the win that kind of helped him sort of become what would be later known as the Pitbull. You know with the fangs and the whole nine with his hair pulled back and the man bun. Yeah. The whole nine. So now let's just say this, you know, maybe a lot of people don't know this, but he was an actual competitor. He's a, he's a kickboxer. He, he, uh, Samba BJJ boxing. He's definitively a true mixed martial artist. And a lot, did you say, did you say Samba? Is he, is this like a dance? It's like Garamba. Samba. 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 It's, it's, uh, Wesley's meme.com. Samba. Samba. I didn't say Sambo. It's so great. Samba. Done that before. It's Samba. Samba. Sambo's somebody's dog. <laughs> Come here, Sambo. I just saw him going, Sambo. Deca, get deca, away deca, from deca, the wood deca. line. Chiquita. <laughs> right. That's, I just saw him dancing like on a, in a ballroom. And okay, very right. well. To give Mark credit, I'm sure he dances very well. Let's not throw that out the window. In the art of Samba. In the art of Samba. Stop it. Dude, would you... <laughs> Wesley is like a walking uh, dictionary. Hey, on how to you pronounce both, UFC. Both of you, both of you got it coming. You both dogged me all podcast last week. Oh. Yeah, I know. I deserve that. So. There's nothing I can do. All right. But so I don't want to say this too. Okay. That's correct. Seriously, you guys, you guys remember this. He was one of the first fighters to truly embrace a style um, in the way that remember when 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 the UFC or, or mixed martial arts had that crossover from from professional wrestling. So this idea of creating a name for yourself and Andre Arlovsky was one of the first fighters to really do that in an effective way. He was the pit bull. He had that fear and scariness that you saw in a fighter. And he he was a, truly a pioneer in that aspect. But also you got to remember that Andre Arlovsky was fighting in a in a weight class in his pioneering days in the 2000s when nobody cared about the heavyweight division. So he had to really fight super hard to make a name for himself and did it super effectively. Um, And I think that's one of the things that we, that a lot of people don't realize, like, and this is back in the Tim Sylvia era when, when, when Tim, he had this love hate relationship with the UFC and, uh, you know, it was really a tough weight class to really make a name for yourself. And Andre Arlovsky was absolutely brilliant at it. He was super brilliant at it. And to this point, he's still around today. And I think that's one of the most important things about this guy as a character and as, as a feature of the sport. Trevor? What I'm going to say about uh, the pit bull, besides his really cool fangs, is he just made you a fan 
Um, I'm going to look at 2015, actually. Uh, September, he had a record of 25 and 10, and he had been on kind of a tear, and I think a bigger tear than when he was actually the UFC champion. He beat Brandon Schaub, Bigfoot Silva, Travis Brown, Frank Mir. I mean, those are th- four quality wins in a row. He was actually on a six-fight winning streak till he fought who? Stipe Miocic. And we see how well Stipe's done, but that kind of started his uh, losing streak. But we've talked about before how hard it is to be a heavyweight and how hard it is to be relevant. And somebody like the Pitbull, who has, who is still fighting and actually won last Saturday, it says a lot about him, especially after he went on a pretty long losing streak. And he, he really is one of the true legends of the sport when it comes to a heavyweight fighter. You just don't see heavyweights stick around that long. They hit so hard and you can only take so much at that weight class i feel yeah and and to that point once again um i I think the whole point of bringing this up is that we oftentimes forget um some of the guys and me and Wes talked about this the clay guidas of the world you don't have to be the eternal champion to be a pioneer of the sport yeah and to be a true legend. And I think that Andre Olofsky has been such like he was our guy. I remember sitting there and, and saying that like I was on the edge of my seat um, on multiple occasions 15 plus years ago, just wringing my hands, hoping that Andre Olofsky would pull it out that one time. And I, I think that's that's something like we didn't. That was back in a time when the UFC was still losing money. They weren't they weren't making money at that time. And guys like that were 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 making you care. Really they were making you care. That's that's what I was trying to look for. Exactly. So, you know, it's really amazing to me that Andre Orlovsky is still here and he's still fighting and he's still healthy. It wasn't the kind of fight that you look at at a guy at 41 years old and you go, man, that guy should retire. No, he actually, you know, I'm not scared that he's, you know, he's at risk. I mean, that's a, that's a true champion. That's a true like warrior. And that's what has sold us on the sport for 20 plus years. So, you know, kudos to you, Andre Olofsky. You're absolutely amazing. And uh, I, I don't know how many fights you got left in you, but. I'll be watching every one of them. Strike Force, WSOF, Affliction, Elite, 1FC, M1, and the UFC. He's literally fought in every major in every major organization. I think he was even signed to Bellator, but never fought in it at one point. But yeah. Boys, I, I just need this for Christmas. I want a black and gold Affliction shirt. Okay? It's a triple X. If you could find that at your local, anybody that's listening, any, any, <laughs> any local Goodwill, triple X, black and gold Affliction t-shirt. That's what I'm I... sure you don't want to be an extreme couture? No. I want I want affliction. That's what I want. Okay. Well, that so is affliction. If you see Santa, affliction. Wesley, stop interrupting me. If you if you see Santa, tell him <laughs> that's what I want. Okay? I would like a Sambo shirt. <laughs> Samba? If anybody is black and gold. <laughs> Samba, Samba shirt. And also, I would like Wes to shut up for Christmas every time I I say something wrong. Anyway, moving on. Well, gentlemen, we had events this last weekend. We've got some stuff coming up. We've got some stuff in the news. In the news. Boys, last week Wesley was wrong and picked Santos over Glover Teixeira. (laughs) I just wanted to get your thoughts on that fight, which I thought was an incredible fight. And if we hadn't had some real classics, could have been the fight of the year. 
Um, Wesley, what'd you think about Glover coming in there and beating Tiago? Or better yet, what Wait, did you did feel you, about? Who did you guys pick? I don't remember. Who did you guys pick to win this fight? We, I don't remember. We don't. We don't have enough time for that, Wes. Let's move the <laughs> podcast on, please. Let's go. <laughs> well, I mean, how can you not be happy for him, man? I mean, here's Glover at 41 years old, winning a fight that earned him a title shot, and now you've got Israel Adesanya, who is who's willing to step aside. Said he would step aside. Uh, Jan, Jan is actually also saying, "Hey, Glover deserves a shot. He could win." Like he could be it's possible on in, in, in a, and win the title. And I would love if I know it's great. I, it's such, it's, it's a, it's, it's almost Cinderella. It's almost Cinderella. I love that. It's like good for him. I love it. Good, good for him and good for Glover to share for, for not only, you know, taking care of his body, but also just being able to, I mean, that was a tough, hard fight. Do you realize he lost to Ed Herman back in the day? I mean, look at, look at how far <laughs> this guy's come. <laughs> Glover, what? He took John Jones to a decision. He's on a five-fight win streak, and he's 41 years old. Who wouldn't want to see this? And I think kudos to somebody like uh, Israel for stepping aside for somebody who doesn't have a lot of time. It was a great point that he made. You know what I mean? So thumbs up for that, man. What a, what an awesome fight. Wesley, I'm sorry you picked that wrong, but it's okay. I know. Sec- I'm okay with it. Sec- I, I, was glad, I was glad I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was exciting. And it wasn't it wasn't like one-sided. I mean, you know, Tiago gave him some shots. We thought he was going to win and Glover, I mean, it was a great fight. All right, next topic, gentlemen. Let's do it. Paul Felder. Mm-hmm. Going from the uh was going to announce the fights this Saturday. Somebody got injured and he will now be taking on Rafael Dos Santos. So, Mark, uh, Alan, David. Dos, do, dos Anjos? Are you talking about... He's not fighting Junior Dos Santos. He's oh, fighting that's right. Rafael Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos. Yes. Sorry. I get my... Um, <laughs> I get my last names confused here. You get your Narcos characters yes, mixed up? Yes. Absolutely. All right. Uh, RDS is going to fight Paul Felder. <laughs> and Mark Allen David, do you think that Paul Felder should have taken this fight on short notice? Is this a mistake or... Paul Felder's on a pretty uh, nice win streak of his own. Well, not necessarily win streak, but he's definitely been fighting tough competition. And even though he might not have won some of those fights, he's been in them. So what do you think, Mark? Is he okay to to take this fight? I, I You know, at the end of the day, Felder's one of those guys that's going to take the fight regardless. He's, he's, uh, he's kind of one of those... Um, love it or not, he's, he's just going to do it. He's, he's kind of a warrior. He he's, he's a, I don't know, a fighter's champion. He's that guy. So should he have taken it? You know, I mean, probably not based on the situation, but he's the guy that does it and capitalizes on it. So I would say from the outside looking in, no, generally speaking, it's probably a bad idea in such short notice and not having a really good training camp, but it's Felder. That's what he does. So, I mean, it's just what he does. I mean, what do you, he's going to do it regardless. It's really hard to say, like, I mean, I can give my opinion, but what's that mean? He's going to do it regardless. So, um, I, I, I want to watch the fight. I'm happy that it's happening. Um, I hope he doesn't get hurt, but you know, it is what it is. Wesley, what do you think? I think with Dos Anjos, Coming back down to 55 is going to be tough. 
especially at his age because at his age because he hasn't done it in a while. And I think the fact that Felder doesn't have any pressure on him really, to me, makes me lean towards Paul Felder. Look, he's been he's been training for for Ironmans for the last little while, and every, you see him on Twitter posting like. Where can I get, where's a good bike run? Where's a good place to, all those things, right? And so he's going to come in shape. And I think that Mm. given like you, what you said, given like what you said, Trevor, his ability to stay in fights with the top guys, I think, I just think Dasanyas is a little bit on, on the back end of his career where Paul Felder is still hovering a little bit in that middle thing. And remember when he didn't want to fight anymore because he didn't want to be away from his daughter, that the training camp and all the things. This is the best of both worlds. So, he had no training camp. He's commentating. He's already going to be there. So why not just step he's in? He's already going to be anyway. there. <laughs> hey, he's there. Why not just throw hands? You know somebody? what, guys? So let me just take the jacket off. I'll just step in real quick. Put some, while, while we're here. <laughs> while we're here. I like how you, you, know I like how you said that like you're at a Dairy Queen and you're like, well, while we're here, we might as well have the blizzard. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> while we're here, might as well step in the cage and get beat up. So wait, are you up. saying, Wes, that, you get, that you're picking Felder for this fight? I'm picking Paul Felder to win this fight. Wow. Right? I who like pick, that. Who are you picking, Mark? I'm, I'm with Wes, actually. Let me throw this at you, though. Don't sleep on this fight. I mean, let me throw some names this at you. This is going to be a battle. Huffiel, Hafiel has been fighting. Colby Covington, decision. Kamara Usman, decision. Leon Edwards, decision. Michael, whatever his last name is, decision. <laughs> Wes. So uh, Kevin Lee beat him. You know what I mean? I mean, he's lost four or five, but they've been competitive fights against some of the greatest uh, greatest fighters at their weight class, which is above the weight class that he's going to be fighting, the 170-pounders. I mean, Covington, Usman, Leon Edwards, all those guys are straight-up killers, and he hung in there till the end. So this could be good. I'm going to pick Hafiel, and, and hopefully he doesn't get mad at me since I messed up his name earlier. Yeah, but to the point, <laughs> there's no way in the world, Trevor, that you don't think that this is going to be no, a battle. Watch it, man. Do not, don't sleep on this. Don't sleep and on style, this. One. Styles make fights. It's going to be a good fight. You know, the biggest thing for me in thinking about this fight is um, w- what we were talking about. Is this a good fight to pick up on short notice for Felder? But, you know, there's di- there's different types of fighters and Felder's just you know he's an animal. Yeah. He's just he's a brawler and a grinder and I don't want to like drag that into the sport as much as but some guys are just tough and Felder is tough. Wes, I'll give you the last word on this. Well, I, I, if if this had been Islam, if Paul had had gone in on short notice against Islam, I would not be excited for him because I just feel like Islam sure. is the new breed sure. who's coming up That's fair. to sort of replace his training partner space right. with Khabib. He's a straight killer. Yep. And he's a better striker than Khabib, mm-hmm. but has the same wrestling pedigree, right? So I agree. I would I would not be excited for Paul. This fight, though, it's, it's kind of a perfect mm. where they're both aged at the same place. Right. It, it's, it's, I think mentally Paul probably knew that he could compete with Dos Anjos. He probably would not have taken the is the, the Islam fight, but I, I actually, this might have made me more interested in this card. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think just, it, just to, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. It's hard pressed to find another fighter that if I was to use the word tough, you're going to, you're, you Felder is tough. Like if you were to use that is, word, man. man, he is just rock. So he's so leather. true. Sure. So. so true. Felder's right up there with Caleb Starnes. I, I completely agree. All right. 
Conor McGregor and Dustin, are they going to fight? And should this be for an interim title? That's my question. One of them has signed, and one of them still hasn't signed. There's been rumors that Conor should fight Justin Gaethje. So, Wesley, what what happens on January 23rd? Who's fighting? What weight class? Is it for an interim title or the title? What's going to happen? What's your prediction? Connor is fighting Dustin Poirier for an interim title belt that sets up a rematch with Khabib for his 30 and 0 fight. That's that's what I think is going to happen. I don't think Gaethje's in the talks. I, I think I think Connor just hasn't signed the contract because he's probably on his yacht. He hasn't gotten back to the to the house yet to sign it. But I've see, I saw today where the contract's on its way and he's expected to sign. I, I, I do feel that it will be for that fight. And look, I would not be sad at all if Dustin Poirier won but I would definitely be sad if he had to rematch Khabib. So there, there you go. <laughs> Mark, what do you think? Is this fight going to happen? Oh, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with Wes. Uh, the one thing that I would say is I think that Connor's just, you know, drag it out because that's good PR. That's what I think is happening. I think he's just, you know, the more that you can drag it out at the end of the day, I think that everybody knows that it's already going to happen. Um, he, he probably, it wouldn't shock me at all if he was just like, can we wait a week or two? That's great. Just for fun. That's so true. So, and that's, that's not, that's a good idea. That's what I would do. Could this happen? Uh, gentlemen, what's your thoughts on this? Could Connor actually become the interim champion, go on a little run and entice Khabib to come back and shut him up? What do you think? Could this happen? Wes? Well, look at the, look at the top five minus Khabib. I think Connor is competitive with all of them. You know what I mean? I don't think Connor's out of any of those fights with the top five and he could easily go on a two, three fight win streak and, and actually defend his interim title for once. Actually defend. He's, he's never done that before in his career. When he was in cage warriors, he didn't defend either title and he was in the UFC. He's never defended either title. So and one, one thing um, that Connor's always been good about though, is uh, mitigating risk. I don't think it's a good idea for him to put himself in a risky situation. Um, so what's what, why? Why would he do that? Why? Why? Like he—he's—he's he's setting himself up constantly for the right shot, and he's always done that so effectively. Um, I want the one guy that I, I want to fight. Saying. I want the one yeah, opportunity yeah, yeah. that I want. That's it. Why? Why would he risk? He's anything calculated. Else? He's very calculated. Yeah. So I think that's the part that you have to think about with Connor. Um, so what's next for him? He's gonna—he's gonna call that shot. And and hey, to be fair, guys. Do you really think, what does he need money now? So what is, what is the play for a Conor McGregor? He's looking at legacy constantly. If, if, if in any situation that he's looking at going up against somebody that could possibly beat him, then he's going to do everything he can to not take that fight. So what, what is he, what's the, what's the benefit for him to go on a quote unquote run? No, he's got two or three fights left in him and he wants them all to be legacy fights, which is what I would do. And you would do too. Yeah, and I, I think he, he doesn't mind adding some uh, zeros to his bank account by any means. Last thing I'm going to talk about is Valentina Shevchenko. Did I say that one right, Wesley? Shevchenko. I think you got that one right. Shevchenko. Okay. Why shouldn't she be the main event over Davidson at, at flyweight? Shouldn't I mean, Valentina has only lost to Amanda Nunez, and one time... She, we think, or I think, that she beat Amanda Nunez, and they haven't Agreed. fought since 2018. 
Are they really missing some marketing opportunity? I think they fought in 2018. That's just off memory. I could be wrong on that. Um, why shouldn't Why shouldn't she be the headliner over Davidson, who's just won the title? Uh, Wesley, what's your thoughts on that? Is she getting overlooked? I have no idea, to be honest with you. She's way more marketable than than our current flyweight champion on the men's division. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I think when he was up against Cody, um, no love there. You know what I mean? Like, I think that was that was worthy of the main event because that had some heat heat to it, right? But I mean, Valentina is must see TV. I mean, she she destroys her opponents, and it's almost sad sometimes. And but we're all going to show up to watch the train wreck. When she knocked out Jessica, I I thought for sure that Jessica was not getting back up. And that just, there's an intrigue there where Davidson, he's not there yet. He needs two or three marquee fights to get him there. And anyway, yeah, she should be the main event, 100%. Well, mm, that's tough. Um, you have to look at marketability outside the ring. So I, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't say that they're doing it wrong. Um, I think there's so much to be said about how you market a fight to people like we're already fans so we're gonna watch it right they're not marketing to us we're gonna watch the fights regardless what is their goal if you're if you are a promoter you're trying to get people outside that aren't necessarily looking at this fight and that's the hard part about these fighters is that if you're not doing something outside the ring to bring in outside eyes then they're gonna they're gonna push towards you know their key market so that I don't know. That's really tough. That's tough. I can't say they're doing anything wrong. That's a very interesting question. That's something to, uh, I'll have to think about a lot more, actually. All right, and here's a bonus question for you guys. I'm going to throw a name at you. Kayla Harrison. Do you guys know who Kayla Harrison is? Two-time Olympic gold medalist in judo and is a absolute beast at 155 pounds for the women's division, for the PFL. Well, almost debunked. PFL? Yes, but did you hear that she is going to be fighting in Invicta at flyweight yes. by the end of the year? Ronda Rousey was a uh, bronze medalist in judo, and this lady is a two-time gold medalist. So what do you think the um, limits are for her, Wesley? Do you think she'll end up in the UFC, or do you think she's going to stick to these other promotions? What's your thoughts? The thing about Kayla is she does not chase a paycheck. When you hear her talk, that's not what she's fighting for. She's literally fighting because of competition. So the UFC's got to do their job and build up some 155-pound MMA fighters in the women's division. Because currently, it's so shallow that she sticks way out because she's such a she's so far beyond athletically that every bit of her competition she destroys them. Very much like Chris Cyborg did in the you know when she was fighting at the very beginning of her career when she was becoming famous, but. She's got a great personality. She's super fun and funny. It doesn't take herself too seriously. She's literally the face of that division, regardless of, of promotion. And at the end of the day, the UFC would, 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 it would do them well to have a Kayla Harrison fight. And here's the thing. She, she will not cut weight. She will not go to 145. And she's always, she's always been adamant about that. And I actually kind of like it. And I, I enjoy watching her fight. She's very dangerous. And let me say this as my last thing, Matt Brown, one of her coaches at American top team will tell you that she can, 
she she can hang sometimes with some of the all-american wrestlers division one all-american wrestlers she can hang with them with dudes which is phenomenal man kayla harrison is a star all right mark i'm gonna ask you this and then we'll wrap this up yep Wesley makes a really good point. She's naturally a 155-pounder. For enough money and enough motivation, do you think she cuts down? Because like Wesley said, it's already thin at 145 pounds in the UFC. You know, the uh, main event there just got canceled, and I don't even know if they're going to find a replacement uh, for Anderson, you know, since Nunez went out. You already see me. You see me shaking my head. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, so so do you. Do you think she goes down to 145 if Dana offers her enough zeros? I mean, what do you think? I mean, man, that's a question. So, I mean, I guess anybody in the world, if you you give enough money to somebody, but at the end of the day, no, because Wes wrapped it up pretty good, I think, really well. She's a pure fighter, and that's that's the draw, right? That's really the draw. She's so organically good. Like what you said, personality. Um, she has this like organic way of connecting with people. She seems like, um, I don't know what the word is like, uh, like the everyday person, whatever, all that stuff. Um, she doesn't play the game. I guess that's what I'm looking for. That's the phrase I was looking for. She doesn't play the that's, game. That's exact. That's so if, exactly. if she plays the game for money, it steals the greatness of what her potential is. So to say, What's that dollar amount? If you say, I'll give you $100,000 to do something today, I really don't think that she'll care. I don't think that she, I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong, you know, but yeah, what's that dollar amount? Give me a million dollars. Lord knows what I'll do, right? But I don't, I don't think that that money, that pool of money is there for her to compromise. But man, hey, well, what an exciting fighter. <laughs> Yeah, she's, it'll be interesting to see yeah. if Kayla makes her way to the UFC. I mean, there's there's very few athletes on the planet. I mean, like Henry Cejudo can claim that he is an Olympic medalist. How many other people can claim that they're an Olympic medalist and succeed like some of these fighters when they transition from one combat sport into the other? It's going to be interesting. Absolutely. Uh, overrated, underrated. Overrated, underrated, the way it's got to be You gotta make your point known Even if you disagree And if the judge likes your answers You'll win eventually So overrated, underrated A game for you and me Alright, welcome to another edition of Overrated, Underrated Tonight we will have Mark up against Trevor In what I like to call Overrated, Underrated Tournament Edition Tournament Edition Ladies and gentlemen (laughs) Here's the deal, Mark and Trevor I've been watching all the early UFCs on ESPN Plus. It's fantastic. They've got one through eight. It's all tournament edition. So in lieu and and being inspired by that, I have created a tournament for you, gentlemen, that's going to determine who is the NMF champion. And and by the way, that stands for nicest MMA fighter, not what other people think. So there you go. Got it. So I have randomly selected... I have randomly selected Trevor is going first. We've got we've got eight matchups in this in in, in okay. our uh, first round here. It's going to go quick, but we're going to we're going to get this all the way down to the finals. I will choose whoever whoever uh, is correct, and we will move on after you give me your decision on who is the nicest. Now, let me just preface this by saying this isn't talent in MMA. This is who is nicer. Okay. 
And if you want to, if you want to use MMA, who would I, who would I leave my kids with? Who would you leave your kids with? Who would babysit my children? Who? And comfort my sick dog. You literally could choose anything you want, but you've got to make a one to two sentence case on who you think should win the matchup. Gentlemen, are you ready for the NMF Championship Tournament? NMF. Yes. It's the nicest MMA fighter, baby. (laughs) Fighter. Okay. Yes, I'm as ready as I could possibly ever be. All right, Trevor, you're first. Here we go. Steven okay. Thompson. Yeah, now, here's the thing. You pick a fighter. Mark has to defend the other one. Got it? Here we go. Got it. Steven Thompson versus Boss Rutten. Steven Thompson versus Boss Rutten. I tell you, I'm going to pick Boss Rutten on this, and I'm going to share the story of when Brian Erlacher challenged him to a fight at a charity event, and Boss Rutten kept his composure because he realized that even though he could wax this guy, he thought too much of the charity to prove his point. And, and a lot of MMA muscle heads would have just gone out and worn out Mr. Erlacher. So hmm. I'm going to say Boss Rutten seems like a nice guy. Friends with Kevin James, one of the funniest, wonderful human comedians that I'd like to hang out with. Just seems like a good dude there. Boss Rutten for sure. All right, Mark, you've got you've got Stephen Thompson. Give it to me. Oh man, that's so not. Uh, that's well. <laughs> oh, okay, it gets worse. I know it gets worse. I, I know that I have the list. I have the list. Stephen Thompson <laughs> is he has a better haircut. That's what I have at the moment. <laughs> got nothing, dude. I didn't do it. I would have went with Boss Rootin' on that one. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a, it's a super clean well, cut. Just judging on Here's what I would say opinions. to that. I'm, I'm already going to tell you I'm a little biased on this one. Stephen Thompson does kids' classes. Uh, he does dance videos that are funny. He does all kinds of things. So Mark wins this first round. We're going with Stephen Thompson for no reason at all, even though I had no Kira idea had that that way existed. better answer. Yep. Okay. I don't think I've ever Stephen Thompson, Thompson. wins. Right. Next matchup. Let's go. Here we go. Mark your first. Amanda Rebus versus Brian Stan. <laughs> By everything that's holy. Are you kidding me? That is that is that, okay. So, who's the nicer person, the nicer MMA fighter, Amanda Rebus versus Brian Stan? This is a tough question. <laughs> this is an extremely tough question. I guess I'll go with Amanda Rebus. Um, this is really hard. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. I. Uh, you want to elaborate on that, Mark? <laughs> do you want to go with like she smiles a lot, she laughs a lot, she. She's really nice to every one of her opponents. Doesn't trash yes. Her. There you go. But from, from a personal standpoint, from the very limited amount of information I have on her, she does right. smile. Trevor a Brian, lot. St- Brian Stan, Brian Stan. This is so easy. We are recording this on Veterans Day, and I'm proud to be oh. an American. Oh. Where at least yes. I know I'm free. Okay, listen, this is so easy. Brian Stan defended our country. He's uh, got into the cage. Nobody has mean things to say about this guy. This guy is 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 a wonderful role model. I hope my son looks up to people like Brian Stan. <laughs> oh wow, that was just too too easy there, uh, Mark. Uh, 
Brian Stan clearly. I don't know. He didn't have any. I have no personal information on said All right, people. Next so. round, uh, Brian Stan uh, wins that round. Trevor got that one. Next matchup, Demetrius Johnson, Trevor versus Sage Northcutt. <laughs> that's a tough one i think demetrius kind of got under dana's skin a little bit but sage northcutt have you ever heard anyone say anything mean about him he just seems like the nicest wonderful family member he seems like the nicest opponent um it's going to be tough to beat sage in, in, in any situation of, when it comes to being a nice guy so sage northcutt on on this one for sure I yeah I actually I was I was going to pick Demetrius on this one just because I think uh, the the flack throughout his career and his ability to uh, he's never mm. really shot back as many times wow. as he's had an opportunity for people who have really just shot on him hard he's always taken it with a grain of salt always let it roll off his back I think he's a true like I think he's What's the right word? Um, I don't want to say iconic that way, but uh, a role model in that respect. Like he, he, so he's a legend. He's a legend of the sport, and and just like you said, he never really pushed back against Dana when he could have. He could have. He so still kept many his composure. Times. He's always kept That's his composure. He's always uh, stood up as um, someone with a he he. He fought his fights and stood on that and didn't have to fight back outside the ring. I think that's very integrative. All right. Easy one here. Demetrius Johnson moves on. Sage Northcutt is super sweet, but didn't have as much adversity as Demetrius Johnson. And uh, Demetrius carries himself like a real champ, like a real champ, true professional. Absolutely. All right. Next matchup. Are you ready, boys? Mark, you go first. Pat Barry versus George St. Pierre. <laughs> Let's see, Trevor. I'm going to go with... Let's see. Who should I pick? I'm going to go with George St. Pierre on this one. Um, my reasoning is, one, because he's George St. Pierre. Um, now, I will say this. Let me tell you something about George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre has never been the family man. He's never been the iconic... Um, a uh, guy that was like the you know the 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 moral champion but with that said george st pierre has always been uh country he's always been uh integritable he's always been honest he's what i would consider if you were going to look at anybody who would be a um an ambassador of the sport george st pierre is number one on my list there's never been another fighter that i would say is not the ambassador of the sport he's the guy so that's my reasoning all right pat barry trevor what do you got well i think that pat is a really good husband you know what i mean i think that he was a good fighter himself and definitely could compete with the who's who of of mixed martial arts but you know, I think he took the role of being a husband really seriously. He's he's so supportive uh, of his wife, and uh, he he's going to be one of those guys that after the fight's over, he he literally would go out and and maybe hang out with his opponent with no ill will at all. So I got to say, Pat Barry there for sure. George St. Pierre rushed the cage with uh, Matt Sarah trying to make a name for himself and said that he wasn't professed. You know, he was 
wasn't impressed with his performance after, you know, Matt Sarah had not Matt Sarah, Matt Hughes had won the fight. So um, I think that that was kind of crossing the line a little bit. So uh, you've never seen Pat Berry do anything like that. But to be real quick, there's only two things that George St. Pierre loves winning and women and dinosaurs. And dinosaurs. No, That's dinosaurs. right. I'm sorry. Three things. Okay, does that help uh, you answer the question? Mark is going to roll away with this one because uh, Pat Berry is not married. He is uh, Rose's fiance, uh, and that's I won by a technicality. Know, we're given technicality. Technicality right there. So wins. I'll take moves it. on. All right, here we go. Number five matchup. This is for Trevor. Trevor, your first. Whew. Smiling Sam <laughs> Alvey against Robert Whitaker. Oh come on. <laughs> Both these guys are super nice, and honestly, I'd probably pick Robert Whitaker uh, among most people. But I happen to know, I've actually talked to Sam Alvey before, and I didn't know this, Wes, and you may or may may not have known this too. He's actually, he actually adopts children. I mean, how many mixed martial arts fighters Mm. do you know to open their home to adopt children. He's smiling Sam Alvey for a reason. He's he's very social on social media. He's not too good to talk to people or reach out to people. I just think this guy's super cool. And I was following his Instagram, and he was in Chattanooga, which Appalachian State won three national championships in Chattanooga. Just throwing that out there. Oh. All right, Mark. Robert. Sam Alvey for the win. Mark, just just pass no it's fine i know i have actually have a very compelling case for robert whitaker um i vote for sam alvey that was <laughs> that was uh okay sam alvey it is sam alvey uh is moving on uh mark here we go you ready yeah do me do it let's do it uriah hall versus damian maya oh wow okay i'm gonna go with damian maya so uh, hmm Wow, this is a good one. Uh, Damian Maya again. Um, this is one of those guys that has had every reason in the world to um, to fight back based on like he's had so many people come up against him. I'm trying to think of the right words here. He's man, he's such a pioneer of the sport, but he's been around for such a long time. And how many times do you think of Damian Maya and you think to yourself, hey, um, he had uh, negative things to say about his opponent. How many times has he been in that situation where you were like, um, I can't even think of what I'm trying to say here. I'm, 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 I'm backpedaling. I'm backpedaling, Wes. You put me in a, in a bad mm. situation. Look, what I'm saying is, is that uh, Damian Maya is Damian Maya. All right, uh, Trevor, Uriah Hall. Give it to me. So I'm going to go do a common opponent here, and that's Anderson Silva. And uh, Anderson Silva had a common opponent between him and Michael Bisming. You, you saw somebody oh. like Michael Bisming trying to make a name for themselves off of Anderson Silva and doing everything they can to obliterate him. You saw somebody like Uriah Hall fighting hard but still respecting the legend. And somebody like that, somebody that you want on your roster, somebody that's going to respect the sport. You know, Chell, mm. Chell said it makes fun of that stuff all the time, but I think there really is a respect in mixed martial arts. I think there's a humility in mixed martial arts, and Uriah Hall is somebody who, who represents that quite well. Not to say that Damian Maya doesn't, but uh, I had to pick Uriah Hall, so that's who I'm defending. To be fair, uh, after I heard Trevor say that, what I want to say is that's what I meant. 
<laughs> All right, so Uriah Hall's moving on into the next round, into the quarters. Unfair. All right, Trevor, Holly Holm versus Clay Guida. Oh, oh. Holly Holm's a conundrum for me because where she goes to the ring, she fights hard, she shut Ronda Rousey up, and, uh, you know, Ronda Rousey really was arrogant going in there thinking that she could outstrike one of the best strikers that's ever been in women's MMA and maybe MMA period. And um, she got worked on that. But Holly Holm trains with John Jones, and I just don't understand how somebody like that could train with John Jones. It just it baffles me. Uh, Clay Guida is one of my all-time favorite fighters. I'm going to pick Clay Guida. You never hear anybody say anything bad about Clay Guida after some straight-up wars. I mean, he always comes in there to fight. He never pulls any punches. He goes at people. And still, after the fight, you never see him fighting dirty. And you always see those fighters give him nothing but love and respect. All right, Mark, why is Holly Holm nicer than Clay Guida? Because Holly Holm um, has never one time said anything negative in the, in, the, in the press publicly about who she trains with. She's been absolutely respectful, and she's also one of the most storied fighters in the history of mixed martial arts. Now, I can appreciate the fact that Clay Guida is who he is, and I love Clay Guida. Clay Guida I think we all do. But with that said, Holly Holm has endured Something that we have not seen in the sport and came up in a fantastical way. And still, has have you ever heard one time Holly Holm ever disrespect John Jones? One time. No. Right? And I've never never heard her disrespect anybody. There you go. And she's had every reason to try to defend that, but she takes the sport and the purity for what it is. And that's why I appreciate Holly Holm. All right, ding, ding. Mark made a case that was well-deserved, a well-deserved win there. Holly Holm moves on to the quarters. Last round, Mark, you go first. Rich Franklin versus Max Holloway. Oh, Rich Franklin all the way, baby. 100%. I'm so glad I got to go first. Unlike last time when I really wanted Clay Guida. (laughs) <laughs> I really right. did, and I didn't get him. Anyway, so Rich Franklin, obviously, I would give me Rich Franklin. Of course, it's Rich Franklin. He's he's number one. He, you know, when we talk about say the term, you can repeat it a thousand times. But how many people are truly an ambassador of the sport, and also an absolute legend in Rich Franklin? As and there's never been a time throughout the the entirety of his career that he. He broke that he um, he disrespected that you were the one he was never the hated character in the storyline. He was always an icon and, and he was one of those characters again that he had something special. He's not the greatest fighter we've ever seen. There's no two ways about that. He's never going to be the greatest that we've ever heard of, but he made a name for himself in such a truly iconic way. And without Rich Franklin, he is truly one of those guys that people stand on his shoulders. And to this day, he's still a true ambassador of the sport and has absolute integrity. He's never talked negatively about the UFC, about his history, when he had plenty of opportunities to do that. He's never done that. He, you know, we talk about one of the nicest guys in the sport and still um, being a pioneer to this day. It's, it's hard to talk about anybody else that doesn't have that kind of a pedigree, 100%. All 
All right, Trevor, why is Max Holloway nicer than Rich Franklin? Uh, Rich Franklin's lucky that he got all those wins because it was the weakest division <laughs> in time in MMA. Of course he's going to be nice because he was knocking over cupcakes. All right, Max Holloway has, has wow. fought the who's who. And the last fight that he was in, we all felt that he won that fight, but he handled himself with class and dignity when a championship was robbed from him. He he fought Conor McGregor early on in 2013, didn't lose his integrity then. He's he's lost to Poirier uh, twice, and uh, I know Wes is going to make fun of me for messing up Dustin's name. And, uh, you know, he fought <laughs> Frankie Edgar. All these guys love him. You know what I mean? I mean, Brad Ortega... You know, he he was talking a little smack to Max Holloway, but Max always rises above his tough opponents, unlike the Mm. cupcakes that Rich Franklin fought. Well, gentlemen, that was very good on both ends. Rich Franklin being a math teacher, all of the things, right? Christian, good guy, husband, all those things. I didn't, I didn't even have to bring up math teacher I would say for him to win. Watching Max handle his professionalism the way he did after what we all thought was a win for him sets him apart. The fact that he lost with dignity, even though he uh, seemingly won across the scoreboard, across our, you know, our scoreboard. Max Holloway no. is definitely the nicer. No, that's not even nicer possible. Competitor. No, that's not even he possible. He moves on into the quarterfinals. All right, so gentlemen, next week, next week, we will jump into the quarters. Let's run down our matchups because I need some, I need some more explanation. You're going to have to dig a little bit on these fighters. Here we go. You ready? I'll dig a little bit, but I what, we already lost Here Rich Franklin. The quarterfinals are as such. Steven Thompson versus Brian Stan. Demetrius Johnson versus George St. Pierre. Smiling Sam Alvey versus Uriah Hall. And last but not least, Holly Holm versus Max Holloway. Stay tuned for next week's underrated, overrated edition. Mark and Trevor will be back to defend on why they think these people are nicer than everybody else and their opponent. Peace. As always, we're super grateful to everyone who takes the time to listen to the show. We absolutely love feedback and engagement, so please give us your thoughts, and specifically if you have any topic ideas you would like to hear about, please let us know on the My MA Podcast Facebook page, and also please take a minute to rate us on Apple, Spotify, your platform of choice. It helps people find us, and honestly, it makes us feel good about ourselves, too. We will be back next week with more fun and banter. We look forward to seeing you then. Love you all, my MMA podcast nation. Have a great week and stay healthy out there. And let me just say a silent, a silent shout out to Rich Franklin. I'm sorry, bro. I did everything I could. That's, I mean. Here we go. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Saddle up your horses. We got a trail we got to blaze. blaze. Whoa. God's amazing grace. We will follow our leader into to the, the glorious, glorious unknown. That's what I got. That's what I got. This is a life like no other. Whoa! This, this is a great adventure. You know, you know, it'd be a fun game for the people listening at home is to is to drink every time we mess up a word, but not drink like something bad for you. Drink like 
a glass of water or insure or something like that every time <laughs> that, we, that we mess up one of Your these Slim names. Fast gets you a Slim Fast out. Drink drink a half a bottle of insure every time we mess up a name or something else. Or like every time Rich Franklin loses something on the podcast. <laughs> may your may your kidneys and Rich, bowels How did Rich Franklin lose? The way they're supposed to. That doesn't even make any sense. Rich Franklin uh, wins the entire thing organically. It's Rich Franklin. It doesn't even make any Ooh, sense. Would, I'm confused. I would say Sam Alvey could beat Rich Franklin in niceness. But okay, fair enough. Out, but it wasn't Rich Franklin against Sam you're Alvey. You're going to have to tune in next week to Apple, Spotify, your platform of choice, and listen in to my MMA podcast, <laughs> episode 45. Robert, Robert Whitaker? You want, me to, you want me to pontificate about the personal life of Robert Whitaker? That's what we're doing right now. Thanks, Wes. Hey, you know what? He's got a good accent. He's got a good accent, <laughs> and he's really nice. I had nothing. Nothing. Literally nothing. Robert, was it? You would have got half what? credit for mentioning. You would have got half credit for mentioning his accent. That might have took you over to the edge. I would have, but I got confused. I was lost. I was in the mass oasis of life trying to figure out how I'm going to make Robert Whitaker sound nice. I don't know what's going on there. You know who else is lost? Rich Franklin from this competition. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, he's out. That's true. He's out. I'm bringing him Peace. up all week Done. next week. It's going to be the whole episode is going to be about Rich Done. Franklin. <laughs> Just, <laughs> all right. Three, two, one. Done. Done. Done.